My name is Holly Kinnean and this is Dialing In With Habitus. Koichi Takada is a Sydney-based architect with built work all over the world. He has numerous globally recognised projects such as the interior design for One Central Park, East Village Urban Marketplace, the National Museum of Qatar in Doha, and Ark by Crown Group, which received an honourable mention in the 2019 Indie Awards. As a recipient of so many national and international awards, it's easy to assume his practice, Goichi Takata Architects, has been around for far longer than it has. In fact, it was founded in 2008, and in this short time, just more than a decade, he has established himself as a world leader in architecture. Today on Dialing In With Habitus, we chat to Koichi about how his frequent international work has meant that the transition to work from home was surprisingly streamlined, and how working remotely, whether you're travelling or in isolation, allows a greater ability to focus on the tasks at hand. We also speak about greening cities by designing much greener architecture, what it means for us as a society, and what it looks like. Here's Koichi. Koichi, welcome and thank you for dialing in with Habitus. It's great to have you here. Thank you. We would love to hear in your own words a little bit about your journey with architecture, how you came to run Koichi Takata Architects and what your practice stands for. Well, um, almost a decade ago, the first GFC, the global financial crisis, was experienced across the world. Uh, I established my practice. And uh, so since uh, we developed the approach, uh, if you like, the organic approach to architecture, uh, in that we uh, believe in the importance of bringing nature back into the urban environment. And uh, we, work, we work across uh, mixed-use, multi-residential, commercial, hotel and cultural project, and, and also bespoke houses and really trying to demonstrate how we can interact with nature and by doing so, creating this uh, a more livable and, and more workable environment within the design. And, uh, and of course, uh, as a latest completed project, such as ARC in Sydney and the interiors of National Museum of Qatar have received uh, great attention in the media and, and won many national as well as international awards uh, on these shows. People are interested perhaps in this uh, way of approach. Absolutely. You have a fairly decent sized team and what I would say is a medium to large office in Surrey Hills. How have your working arrangements changed recently? Uh, well, before COVID-19, um, we were in this um, standard open office environment as you mentioned, the team were around 40 to 50 uh, architects and interior designers uh, divided into uh, essentially three teams, uh, design, documentation and interiors. Uh, if you like, uh, everybody worked in synergy. Um, and we have um, many international projects. I suppose this really helped us dealing with this uh, challenging time uh, facing the COVID-19. Uh, because we were familiar with the video conference technology and, and working on the project uh, remotely. And, uh, and as, as you can imagine, with COVID-19 restriction, uh, uh, we had to move quickly uh, in order to enable uh, most of our employees to work from home. 
and after the necessary, let's say, the IT structure were established, uh, we were very happy to know that everybody welcomed this new way of working. And, and surprisingly, we adjusted to this uh, quite quickly. When you say you adjusted quite quickly, what were the main things that were different and then were surprisingly and how easy they were to be adopted? Yes. So as I mentioned, uh, we have a protocol implemented when we work overseas. For instance, let's say I'm traveling around the world, across across the world, trying to communicate back into the team working in Sydney, for instance. Uh, we often uh, coordinate the time differences and work using the digital platform. Uh, you know, as simple as WhatsApp uh, or use of a more interactive digital device that we could sketch over, share the thoughts, uh, whether I, I'm talking to them and drawing at the airports or, you know, working from client's office overseas, uh, you know, so we were quite used to this way of working. And also, if I may say, this way of working really makes you focus on the priorities rather than trying to achieve every single aspect of the workload given during the day. Hmm. So would you say there's a greater efficiency when you're remote? Yes. So... Uh, for instance, if we do the Zoom conference with the clients, and uh, a couple of days ago, I started off uh, talking to clients in Japan, and then I went to uh, Mexico City, uh, and then come back to Sydney, interstate, uh, all in the span of, I suppose, three to four hours, half a day. This is this way of working was not possible previously, and also accepting that the clients uh, okay to do this way. And most of the clients, as I was aware before, love to see us in person. So they uh, ask us to come to their office overseas, talk and sketch together. You know, obviously discussion in person. But this COVID nineteen situation forces to work. I suppose, much more efficiently and I suppose the time in our favour. So we started to achieve, increase the productivities and achieve more milestones within the short time frame. Mm. Yeah, I think it's definitely an interesting point, the idea of um, when you can't travel and everyone just makes do with video conferences and you get along fine and there's no real detriment to the project. But at the same time, it is it is nice to have that one-on-one um, connection when you're able to have it. Do you think in the future there'll be a, I guess, a kind of a rethinking of the, the split between video conferencing and one-on-one? If it used to be very much towards a one-on-one client meeting, do you think now that they'll be a little bit more open to the efficiency and, and the, you know, they don't need to wait for you to travel if you can have a quick chat um, over the internet? I mean, this is an interesting, uh, you know, sort of a question point. I found it fascinating, even on the Zoom conference, that sort of the things that people wear, it's very casual. Yes. And they're in uh, their home space, so it tends to be more relaxed and informal. Mm. And, and, and I think this, in some way, I don't know, facilitates more uh, casual discussion among ourselves and the clients and often I even just WhatsApp them or text them casually. Uh, you know, it's not sometimes not only talking about architecture, but other things in general. Somehow we reconnected with the world and uh, including our clients that, that we share this same uh, challenging time 
by way of doing this, somehow we find a much more connections and, and by that, as opposed to more understanding, hence quicker decision-making process. Mm, and previously, before you had to make it quite formal, you, you spend two, two to four weeks of turnaround to do all these works and options without knowing which option or which direction we're going to take. And then after four weeks, you would then realize perhaps none of those options were possible. Then you go back to drawing board. But the, by the way of working like this facilitates us to contact, I suppose, because we don't see them in person, because we don't see them physically speaking, uh, we try to, to do it digitally. By way of doing digitally, give us more uh, accessibility to, to brainstorming session and the workshop session in a different alternative ways. And I was quite suspicious and doubtful of this way of working to begin with. But now I feel like I'm fully on board with this. We just changed the way we work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's interesting speaking of client and architect. What about the relationship between your team? How are you keeping in touch with your team as a leader, but also how is your team continuing to work together on all sort of projects? Well, for us, for our employees and the team uh, and, and myself as a leader, this is a very, very challenging time because we want to focus on architecture. We want to focus on design. But naturally, people were concerned with the situation that we face uh, as a whole, uh, such as watching news uh, or, or looking at data situation, you know, government given us or anything, you know, uh, some of the employees are from overseas. So naturally they want to talk to their friends and families and back home and, you know, make sure they're okay. So there, there were, in other words, a lot of distractions in this time, uh, you know, this uh, certain times. Uh, so th this is for us is very, very difficult. And, and, and we needed to quickly uh, shift the focus to make sure that we don't lose the sight and, and not to look around uh, what's happening, but look ahead. So as a leader, uh, as an executive team, inclusive and myself, trying to convey the vision for the practice that established over the last decade, but moving forward where uh, we are taking the practice. And in this type of philosophical discussion in such a fitting, given this time of, uh, you know, uh, uncertainty, we, we are more uh, have time to reflect ourselves. And by way of doing that, we need to show where we want to go with this. And I feel that uh, our practice uh, talks a lot about and nature and looking around not just the COVID-19 situation and we were quite uh, fascinated uh, with the way we can change our social behavior so rapidly and decisively if necessary and I think that the you know in many ways architecture plays very important role in this and, and, and design can change in many ways uh, a way of thinking and why not applying into more environmental terms because the COVID-19 crisis is temporary and the virus will move through the population. Vaccine will eventually be developed. Mm. But by contrast, let me say carbon emission, for instance, will continue to rise in long term with potentially catastrophic consequences unless drastic action is taken. So these are the things that we could address given this time and then say, in fact, you know, we have potentially 
uh, use of through architecture, maybe one era has ended, but the beginning of new era has started and then perhaps work in our favor. Mm. We need to really look into more optimistic side of future in terms of designing architecture. Mm. That actually leads into one of my questions. Um, how do you think the current situation might bring about a new way of thinking and a new generation of architecture, as you just hinted on? Do you think um, it will be, you know, a population that calls for it, or do you think it will be architects as a community and as an industry, uh, I guess, realising their ability to, to impact and, and change for the better and then taking it upon themselves to do so? I think uh, the way I see it is, um, you know, obviously I'm very impressed with this uh, digital technology and 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 this uh, some time ago changed the way we design through use of computers. And now we are at this time where this is helping us to change the way we communicate. But in some way this is facilitating and, and, and as I mentioned, now the communication is gaining the momentum and, and, and sort of the speed of this communication uh, is increasing in, in a much faster, faster pace. And so I would say that the more and more industrial IT re- revolution is implemented in this way, we need to then re-emphasize, and, in, and if I may say even the iPhone, as we carried all the time, needs to be recharged. You know, and this part that we recharge is very much important, not just for the machine's sake, but for human sakes as well. And we need to find a place and we need to find a way that, that we could sort of slow ourselves down and, and reflect on, on the time that we spend, uh, but trying to improve uh, in many ways the way we live for the future. So we see architecture and design can be this amazing platform to recharge and regenerate just like nature does itself to encourage and inspire uh, people uh, in a much more positive and a sustainable way for the future communities. What do you think that might look like in the future? How, um, when we look forward and, and see, I guess, the takeaways that we get from this, what do you think are the main things that we need to address and that architecture can address? Yes, I see it simply as I believe in nature, as I believe in greening cities uh, through designing much greener architecture, if I may say. And today, as you see, uh, people will not be able to go to gym. I start to see a lot of people go out to park and exercise and, you know, get this uh, sort of a fresh air and find uh, this in-between space in the city as a breathing space. And uh, it's a, such a wonderful way, that, you know, this is a very basic and fundamental way to, uh, you know, define the public space. But I think the idea of public spaces are resurface through uh, this difficult time. And I think architecture can also create this platform. And let's not forget the greening of environment, and I'm not just saying put plants on architecture, but in a many other way to let nature in, create a space that interacts with nature, will have a positive psychological impact on people. And, and this is what we need, and we have been surrounded by all these negativities and negative news based on this pandemic crisis situation. And even before that, 
the way we were living in such a fast pace uh, and fast living, it cannot be sustainable. So as to approach more slow living in slow space, with not so much a negative notation to it, but time to reflect, time to pause, gives you a space to breathe. And we need to redefine uh, this type of space that's available for social interaction, uh, you know, people to be able to breathe once again uh, in, in architectural design. Yeah, I think it's definitely made us realize how how nice it is to be outside when we're, you know, only really supposed to go out once or twice a day for exercise. And I think, you know, particularly in, in areas in Sydney and particularly CBD areas and, and uh, suburbs close to the city, that importance of making sure that, you know, new projects and new urban infrastructure make room for green spaces will definitely become uh, really highlighted by this because you know anyone who lives not near to that doesn't really have access to that. Do you think sort of bringing it back down to a slightly more micro level? Do you think uh, the design of homes and office spaces will change at any level? And I sort of ask this with both the clients' brief and and the architects' ideas and and uh, willingness to respond to that brief in mind. I think certainly the. I suppose uh, working space and uh, living space, uh, you know, people love to talk about work and life balance, yeah. but only this idea is blue. Uh, space-wise, uh, we need to really look into, as you just mentioned, that bringing the outside in, if you like. Um, so in other words, inside is not just a reflection of personal space, but needs to have the connection to outside. By way of doing this, uh, of course, it gives you a uh, psychologically better uh, benefit uh, in many ways. Another example, uh, one of our uh, staff recently moved into uh, one of the apartments that we uh, designed. Oh, really? And uh, they sort of talked to us every morning with uh, big smiles on their face. And I had to ask, you know, I was not saying that they were unhappy previously, but I asked you look very happy recently and they say well because we just moved into the space you know for which you designed years ago and, and I, we realized that we received a lot of daylight and we have a natural ventilation and uh, it's a quite a neutral color palette and a lot of natural textures uh, you know very very soft and, and you, you know neutral finishes hence they get a lot of uh, naturalized reflecting, bouncing in, in the space. So in other words, they appreciate this echo of natural light coming into the space. And throughout the day, that put them back to smile. Pre-spec yeah. by dark and humid and beautiful, beautiful space, but made of concrete. Mm. And, uh, and of course, very solid and cold and, and uh, has had a different impact on them. Yeah, and, and quite subtle as well. I think you don't necessarily realise the impact that natural light has and access to natural light until you realise that you didn't have it. I think it's definitely something that makes a huge difference, but it, it feels very subtle and you really have to kind of step away from the situation to know that you miss it or to know that you really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. What about office spaces? Do you think that they'll be readjusted? Do you think that there'll be a huge shift to people who are working from home or do you think people just can't 
can't wait to come back to the office? Very good question. Actually, it's very ironic that we have extended office space and have become a very large space. Potentially, it could accommodate for 70 to 80 people. Mm. Now, I still come to work myself, but it's quite empty. Yeah. <laughs> I question uh, the point of paying all this expensive rent. Wireless, we can still produce what we used to produce, if not to full extent, very close to full extent now, but by way of training, by way of facilitating the communication further, it feels like all this so-called absolute office spaces, such as an idea, may completely disappear one day, you know. Mm. And uh, I, I still believe, of course, in the physical contact and the discussions, and of course, design itself is not as simple as do a quick sketch and then implement. However, uh, you know, this really posed a very significant question about this type of space. And Holly, as you can imagine, we also designed a lot of retail space, and retail space is going through this kind of uh, contradictions or the, the pressure that, yes, you open the retail, but everybody buys online. So they question the needs for the physical space, mm. other than storing the goods and so on and so forth. So this is really moving forward. If this uh, uh, digital revolution keeps happening, one day office or, or even retail space alike may completely be redefined. And this would be a quite an interesting challenge for architects because uh, we love, uh, we need the, the very essence of communication to do a good job. I wonder if there'll be uh, offices that kind of have rotating teams and maybe you come in for a week at a time or maybe it's project-based or maybe it's um, maybe it's even personality-based. So for the different people who are more solitary and feed off that environment, they have access to an office and a team. And then for the people who are more collaborative and want to work in that buzzing office environment, there's some sort of design. I still think that the social aspect, the social interaction mm. is very much important because the uh, digital world is just moving so fast. And I, I really do find, um, uh, you know, because of it, and I'm, I'm definitely a supportive of, of this type of technology to help us move on. Uh, but because of this, we need to create this more physical social interactive space and, and the place that for respite and, and, and you know place to pose yourself and slow down and this type of space is very important and the architecture can certainly facilitate that. In terms of uh, this flexible uh, working space, working hours, I think this is very positive outcome uh, as a result. For instance, the employee with uh, children uh, can can stay home when the child is sick or. Maybe the employee with pregnancy, for instance, can certainly work from home and contribute to uh, as, as business as usual. So there are a number of benefits, you know, and we are forced to implement this given this situation. But there are many, many good flexible uh, consequences that we can take on board for the future when we're working. Mm. Koichi, before we wrap up, what other lessons or takeaways that you personally are coming to realize and what do you hope the industry or even the country will take away from this experience? Uh, well, I remember again uh, almost 12 years ago when GFC financial crisis hit, everything stopped. And, and with that, obviously, I decided uh, to, to start my practice. And 
12 years later, we face this COVID-19 situation. And, and I like to think that uh, with this, uh, we have uh, new opportunities, uh, not just talking about the new way of working, but also appreciate the new architecture. And perhaps, if I may say, it's not so much in the built environment, but more in the natural environment. There are, we see a lot of possibilities that we could expand uh, expertise and knowledge that we learned from the past of moving forward to contribute to the more sustainable, greener, and uh, more livable environment that keeps us healthy uh, as a human being. And, and understand that artificial intelligence are probably the next agenda to come after this IT revolution, but trying to maintain that delicate balance you know, uh, between the, of course, the artificial and natural, between something that is automated versus something that we use our brain and uh, ourselves as a human being uh, with emotion, with a heart, and, and, and will be a constantly balancing act. And, and I suppose life in itself is a balancing act. But by way of looking at this, perhaps we can finally deal with issues such as design against uh, climate change or improve our environment for the future generation. And this is the time uh, we need to change the way we think. Couldn't agree more. Koichi, thank you so much for your time and for dialing in with Habitus. Great, thank you. My name is Holly Kinneen. That was Dialing In with Habitus, and you can read more about architecture, design, and the creative community at habitusliving.com.au or by following Habitus Living on Instagram. A link to both of those and more in the episode notes.